This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 182. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined once again by Barb Sodiropoulos. Barb, how are you today? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I am doing never better, and this is a show about colored pencil and the colored pencil artist. So we're going to continue our discussion that we started last time, last week, when we were talking about the learning roadmap for the artist. And I think we covered learning and training and then practice. Uh, learning and training was was uh, the first portion of it and then practice, right, Barb? Yep. And today we're going to talk about challenges and technique and style. All right. So, yeah, let's talk about these challenges then. I really do believe that this is sort of a stage that you go through as an artist because it's all fun in the beginning when you're learning and you're training, you're exploring and you're opening up your mind and you're able to see things. And then you're practicing, you're putting into practice the things that you've learned. Then you enter into this next stage of the roadmap, which is the challenges. And we're, and I'm talking about only things that you decide to do to challenge yourself. But I'm also talking about in this area, Barb and I are talking about things that become difficult for you. And if it's not imposed, self-imposed, then I think what happens is it just becomes something that happens in the process of your learning as an artist. For, for you to get from point A to all the way to Z, you know, wherever that is on that continuum, say you're an emerging artist and maybe you want to become that mid-career artist, or maybe you've already uh, been in this mid-career pathway and now you're approaching this established artist status. There's a breakthrough, I think, that happens. And some people, uh, I think Seth Godin popularized the whole idea through his book, how businesses sometimes enter into what he called the dip. And so it's this messy middle. It's this area where we need to uh, go through some hardship. We need to do some things that take us out of the comfort zone and get us away from things that maybe we can fall into just doing things out of habit or not pushing ourselves in areas where we could actually grow. So that's one aspect of it. And another aspect is the challenge of actually challenging yourself and taking on challenges, maybe entering contests and things like that. Right, Barb? Yeah, actually, there's a few different ways that you can do this. Um, when I graduated college and I had a bit of a gap where I wasn't really creating art and I decided I wanted to get back into it. I actually decided I was going to do my own 30 day challenge drawing every day. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah. And 
Um, I did it two years in a row and then I took a break for a bit and then I've been doing some here and there on Instagram. But one of the things that's really great about doing those types of challenges is that it helps you build habits. It can push you to do things that you normally wouldn't do. For example, um, there's a lot of challenges going around out there that involve prompt words. And what's really great about that is it can actually push you to draw something either conceptually or whatever that you're not normally used to drawing. So say you draw animals all the time, you know, you may get a word that's more describing a feeling and, you know, you have to find a way to represent that. And that can actually creatively be really valuable to push you into doing things you're not used to doing. And actually, I find every time I do one of them. I always come away with ideas for new pieces and just things that I just, I I had never considered doing. And, um, you know, if you're having any kind of creative block, this is actually a really good thing to do because it can actually push you out of that quite easily, I think. That's very cool. You know, photographers have done this for a long time. Yeah. You know, you, you take a word, you know, and then you match that with something uh, representing uh, that word in your photography. So, yeah, why can't visual artists who, uh, you know, use pencil or paint do the same thing? We can, obviously. It's a very good way to force yourself out of your comfort zone. Totally. Um, yeah, getting involved in just, you know, having a drawing habit, uh, creating the ritual, showing up and arriving at a particular time and just saying, okay, you know, and we're still in, in 2018 here, arriving at 2019, maybe this is the year you're going to start challenging yourself. And you recognize that when you did challenge yourself, that you actually grew quite a bit as an artist things become it became easier for you or you had more confidence or you were able to enter your pieces in some shows or something like that whatever it is fill in the blank but maybe this is the year you're going to do that and you're going to say okay it's not about the destination or the arrival at wherever i thought was going to be so wonderful but rather it's about this journey it's about this process and i'm going to engage in this process and i'm going to just become the person who has this habit i install this habit and i have agency over this habit i can make this happen i can control you know, I can't control the outcome, right? We can't always control the outcome, but we can control the habits that we're involved in. And I, I think that's a good thing to do with your art because we will improve if we if we start doing that. For sure. And I think the thing to remember with challenges as well is that, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a daily challenge. It could be, you know, there there are challenges that are, you know, you, you do a fully rendered piece for the month or, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, if, if you're working full time and art is a part time thing for you, maybe it's okay. I want to commit to doing two small pieces a week. Like it can be whatever works for your schedule. But the point is, as you said, creating the ritual and showing up and doing it and, and following through with what you say you're going to do. And, and it has applications, not just in creating the habit, but also, you know, when you're going further down the line, if you decide to make art a career, it's about establishing, um, you know, best practices in terms of following through it just in general. Cause I think, you know, some people have a hard time, you know, living up to commitments or following through with things. And, and the point is, is that if you can do, if you can build the habit with that, you can learn to build those habits in other areas of your life as well. Oh, I love that. And I, I love it that you said, 
you know, that you it doesn't have to be a daily thing. It doesn't even have to be a weekly thing or a monthly if that doesn't, you know, fit into your... Maybe you're somebody who has small children at home and, uh, you know, you've got a family that you're raising and you have a full-time job and or a part-time job as well. I, hey, trust me, I've done that. Uh, and I've talked to a lot of people who have been in that position as well. Uh, so, yeah, I get it. I think sometimes it becomes a disincentive when we hear sometimes from people, oh, you have to be wor- uh, working at your art daily or weekly. Um, I Sometimes, you know, when I he- I used to hear that whenever I was I had small children and I was uh, working my day job and it's like, well, forget that then. I, I can't do that, you know, and it's yeah. a disincentive to people rather than motivating them to try to help them and, you know, talking about follow through and creating a habit. That that's enough to discourage somebody. So if you're listening today and this is the season in life that you're in, you can't spend a week or every day or get a piece completed every week. You know, that's fine. That's okay. You do what you can with what time you do have. And you set some bounds and you set some uh, expectations for yourself and you say, given the challenges that I have with my current schedule, I'm going to do X in this amount of time and whatever that amount of time is. At least set some expectations for yourself. But the point of what Barb and I are trying to say today, though, is to challenge yourself, is to put, you know, put something out there that will make you stretch and will help you to accomplish some of those long-term goals. I think a lot of times we underestimate what you know we're able to accomplish by installing a habit and by doing something you know habitually and and just dedicating some time to something we overestimate how much we're going to going to get done in a year uh, how much we're going to accomplish and then we i think underestimate how much we can do in a day and if you give somebody enough time you know over a year isn't really a lot of time. And and you may think, oh, yeah, that is. I can get a lot done in a year. Look here, I've got this big goal I'm going to accomplish. You know, that's how I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to get 12 pieces done and they're going to be entered in all these shows. (laughs) But actually, it, it takes some time and it takes some discipline just to build up, you know, the habit of doing something, showing up on a regular, consistent basis. And I think we can we can overestimate on these short term scales sometimes you know, like a year and things like that. But if you installed a habit and you did work at something consistently over several years, we can accomplish quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it, it, it like you said, it's all relative to what your situation is. I mean, I, I also remember when I was deciding that I wanted to pursue art more, um, that, uh, I was like, I don't have time for this. I have a full-time job. I don't, I don't know when I'm going to find time for this. And right. And to your point, I mean, there's there's always time. It just might mean that you're giving up something else. And in, in my case, it was giving up the amount of TV I was watching. And, you know, I still have a lot of shows that I enjoy watching, but I either find different times to do that or, you know, I, I just decided what I wanted more. And yeah, I yeah. think, too, sometimes that develops over time. I mean, initially... I wasn't creating art that much and I still go through phases where I'll create a lot of work and then other times where I don't do anything for a week just because I need that break. And, um, you know, it's, if it's important to you, you'll find the time. 
is yeah. sort of yeah. my true belief when it comes up to right. when it comes down to and and I think the biggest thing is just as you said like not to pressure yourself to feel like you have to be doing the same amount as someone else is because art is a really in a lot of ways it's a very self-directed thing and so in one sense you definitely need to create the self-discipline to be able to continue to do it but um, you know, that being said, you also don't want to make it not fun for yourself. I mean, art is one of those things that I think for so many people brings them so much joy. It's like, don't take that out of it for you. You know, right. right. Like if, if you're forcing yourself to draw every week and that doesn't feel natural to you, um, you know, that's a problem. I mean, if, if I mean, if it's if you're if you're not doing it because of you know, lack of motivation, like try to figure out what, why you're not motivated to do it. If you really enjoy art, but there's an issue, is it because, you know, for a lot of people, they get really frustrated when they're using a medium and it doesn't look exactly like, you know, who they're aspiring their work to look like. And they get frustrated and they're like, ah, I don't want to do this. I don't want to work on it. But it's like, that's, I mean, I think everybody's been there, but I think you have to remember that, you know, that goes back to what we talked about last episode when we talked about practice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you just, you've, you've got to do the work to get there and it can be frustrating, especially if you're impatient, but, um, you know, stuff like doing challenges, every little bit that you do helps and it's important just to, just to keep pace and keep doing it and take breaks when you need to. And I think those breaks are uh, critical. They're so, so important. You know, uh, it's, you need time for R&R. So, okay. So if you do want to challenge yourself has some constructive things that Barb and I actually took some notes on, uh, Inktober is a good one uh, to involve yourself in and draw Wimber, draw a, uh, draw a ween. Am I pronouncing that correct? <laughs> yeah, they're all. It sounds are, like a a dog uh, species it's, it's, or something. It's because they're all just like yeah. combinations of two right, words that right. were never supposed to be together. <laughs> yeah, this this no, uh, are, mashup those, here. Totally, the, those are yeah. all just uh, 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 drawing challenges that particularly yeah. happen on Instagram. Um, right. Drawing. Yeah, I mostly see this stuff written, and I'm not uh, saying it. So yeah. it's it's funny. <laughs> it's always funny when you have to actually say it out your loud. You're like, right, that right. Is, that does not feel like it's natural. <laughs> I know, but even posting on social media, I think, is uh, another good way to keep yourself accountable, certainly, but also just kind of keep yourself on track. And it kind of helps you uh, just looking back and like, wow, I haven't posted in a week or two or something, you know, for, you know, I'm raising my hand there. Um, But uh, if you start looking at that and like, okay, I have a sense of just being accountable to my Instagram account, you know, or to my, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, Twitter account or whatever. And you say, I, if I look at it, I've not really established a pattern, you know, it does something to you internally. If you start posting on a consistent basis and then you stop, even though maybe you didn't even tell yourself you're going to do it every day or every week or whatever, it does something to you internally and it makes you start thinking about accountability and there is some social pressure on yourself uh, if you do that which is a good thing you know and another thing that's kind of a side benefit of doing those challenges especially on instagram where they tend to be really popular is that uh you know, it's it's a great way to potentially increase your following or just actually discover other artists as well and build that social connections with other artists. Um, I find every time I do one of those challenges, um, you know, I'm always interacting with somebody new. We're talking about whatever that particular word or whatever the challenge was for that day. And it's it's if you feel like you're struggling 
to some extent with growing your following on your Instagram account, this is actually kind of a way to help you do that. But the key with it is always that, you know, social media is meant to be social. So the point is that you're also interacting with people and not just expecting everyone to come to you. So one thing I'll say, if if you are planning on doing a daily challenge, a 30 day one, for example, um, a lot of people get pressured thinking, okay, I have to do a drawing every day. What I actually tend to do, and it may sound like cheating, but I really don't think it is, <laughs> is that uh, just plan ahead. Like if you have a list of words, um, if I know, depending how far in advance I know, um, I'll plan reference photos, I'll kind of loosely figure out what I'm going to draw. And if you keep it really small, so even just around four by six or whatever, like that's a perfect size to do a da- for a daily drawing or even smaller if that's what works for you. And it doesn't have to be crazy complicated. It can be a sketch for that matter. It's just the point is that, you know, you're don't be afraid to plan ahead when it comes to those things, because then you're not going to, if you only have four hours to draw in a night or even two for that matter, you're not spending two of those hours trying to figure out what you're going to draw. It's already there. You just sit down, you do it and make it happen. And for that matter, I'll even do some a couple days ahead. So if I know I have, you know, an event or something and I can't do a drawing that night, I've already done the drawing and then I'm still able to post it on social media and keep that accountability. One thing I love about that, even, you know, even if you're, you're listening to this and you're like, I'm never going to do Inktober, I'm never going to do any of these challenges, that, 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 that's fine. And maybe you're thinking that's more for people interested in illustration and that kind of thing. Okay, let's say you're only interested in sticking strictly to colored pencils, traditional colored pencils, uh, or some other uh, medium, and you're a fine artist, uh, and you only do, quote unquote, fine art, however you're going to define that. We can talk to 100 people and get 100 different definitions. But anyway, my point is this. So challenge yourself in a different way. Okay, maybe you're used to using the same color recipe Every single time on your with your polychromos pencils on, you know, drawing a landscape every single time or a still life and you're using the same colored pencil palette every single time. So switch that up and think about your underpainting using the opposite color to whatever the local color is or something like that. Maybe going smaller, maybe using a different orientation on your paper this time, changing up the composition just a little bit, challenge yourself is the point in some way to go outside of your comfort zone and do something different than what you've done before. Something that when you think about it in your mind, it kind of scares you a little bit or makes you un, you know uncomfortable or nervous. That's what I'm trying to push you to do. Uh, push yourself is what I'm saying. Push yourself in some way. And I think you'll like it. I think that you'll, you'll thank me later for that if you do that. I'd wanted to say, I think that's a really great suggestion. Cause I think, you know, with, with these Instagram, Instagram challenges in particular, again, the ones that have the prompt words, just because it is, for example, an ink based or illustration based to, um, you know, challenge, it doesn't mean that you have to stick to that. Like take those words and apply it to something with colored pencil. Like it doesn't, uh, you know, you, you, there are, there's no one policing it. So it's like, really? you, you yeah. can, you can just borrow from it and still use right. it as a tool for yourself to, to continue to grow. 
Yeah, and it's inspiring. It is to me anyway. When I see someone doing something, like, for instance, in uh, Inktober, that is so different and outside of the box of what I think of as Inktober. Yeah. Uh, I look at that like, wow, I never would have thought of that. But wow, there you go. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. it was really weird for me when I did Inktober this year because I, I was like, I haven't used my colored pencils in like a month. But, but you know what? It was actually really great because when I did go back to colored pencil, it told me, gave me like a new fresh perspective and um you know i i really there are things that i learned from other mediums that i then apply to colored pencil and vice versa so oh, yeah i mean there can be it can be really rewarding sometimes even just switching mediums and if oh, it's not yeah. something you're comfortable with that's fine but Definitely. i mean it, you know if you feel like you're frustrated or having a block like sometimes that can be a really uh helpful way to get you out of that as well so what are we talking about today we're talking about the learning roadmap for an artist. This is part two. The first portion of your journey is learning and training. And then the next portion is practice, practicing, honing, developing, that sort of thing. And then we're talking about the challenge. And that's what we're covering today, challenges. And then we're going to move into the development of your technique or your style, your own particular uh, niche or something that you know you want to go even deeper into. And, and before we leave this last little portion here, I just want to say, and maybe sort of as a reminder, the continuum is different for everyone. Where you are on this journey is different for every single artist, I believe. You can be at the very beginning stages of just exploration and learning for years and years and years, or it may take you maybe less than a year or something, you know, depending on how much time you put into each of these areas. So before we move on to the development of technique and style, I just want to say one last thing then on challenges. I recently started to embrace something that really kind of, uh, in the past, it kind of just made my skin crawl, to be real honest about it. I always shied away from it uh, because just about everything about this particular medium that I'm going to talk about. I didn't, I didn't like, well, probably anything about it except for the finished product, the way it looked. And that is soft pastels. So recently I've been, I've been behind the scenes and behind the curtain. <laughs> You've been a closet pastel I've, user. I've been a closet pastel user. Uh, and admitting that it feels so good. Thank you for listening. Let today. it out, John. Let it <laughs> That's out. That's right. Uh, so anyway, and I went down to this pastel factory in downtown Cincinnati, this guy, he, he, it's a, it's a business, a business uh, type of operation. I mean, he sells to, um, uh, to art stores and I got to see, you know, where all these, um, pastels were created and that sort of thing. And I got to pick out, you know, pastels and, and, um, it, it was exciting. It was, it was a lot of fun. I'm starting to like pastels and, I'm not very good at using pastels right now, but I've always, I, I love the finished product. I don't like the chalkiness of them and I didn't like the way they felt and the way they feel when you're uh, putting them down the tactile use of them. But I think what happened, and this is the reason I'm bringing this up for that particular medium, I was still in the learning and training stage. And I, I in some, to some extent I still am, but I started crossing over into that practice area with pastels. I think what did it for me was the exploration of using sanded paper. And I started thinking about, well, if I can use, 
colored pencils with sanded paper. Why not use the traditional medium that they're actually designed for, which is by and large pastels. And so I started playing around with that again, you know, for the past few years. And I, I got to tell you that I love how fast pastel work is. I, I love that piece of it. I love how fluid the medium is. Uh, there's a number of other things, but my point is that I was challenging myself. So I want to encourage you today, if you're listening and you're thinking about some other medium, maybe a compliment to colored pencil, which I believe pastels are, to embrace that and to go ahead and try something to push yourself. So let's talk about development of technique and style. And I really do believe that this is one of the last steps in the this development process. Yeah, technique and style is definitely something that can evolve over time. Um, style in particular, technique is something that I think also falls in under practice to some extent, just because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're, you're going to have to practice your technique to get better at it. And as well, you might learn different techniques from different people that then may change your style. So for example, um, you know, the products that are available with brush and pencil, that is a very, that requires a very different technique than if you're just, you know, if you're using OMS, for example. So, um, you know, you may resonate more with one than the other. But if the point is that, you know, take the time to play around with that and see which one works for you, which one doesn't. And the goal should not be at the end of the day to um, completely emulate or copy someone. But if it helps you learn and then evolve into your own style, that's always a good thing. But always keep in mind how you can make something your own. And I know that's something I've definitely talked about before, but I think this applies to style as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of artists out there that you can tell very clearly how who they're influenced by. And, and, and in a large part, a lot of, you know, very famous artists now were influenced by, you know, some of the masters or whoever, right. and then their style right. evolves. I mean, you can always tell who's very influenced by Art Nouveau, for example, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with, uh, it, I guess, copying to the extent of learning, but then always remember to take that involve it and make it your own. No, I love that. And, and in fact, I would say, yes, copy it. And and see what you think about it. And, and there's no better way to figure out if you actually really like a particular style than to copy it. You know, copy it for a little bit and, you know, practice with it and copy it just a little bit to see what you think about it. Uh, not to stay a copyist and to just start, you know, churning out derivative work of whoever it is you admire, but to actually explore it by copying it a little bit and one of the best ways to do that i think is to take a workshop or a class from somebody who has a particular style that you that you like and you'll learn their their particular approach to whatever it is you know and and that's that's a fun thing to do it's a nice thing to do it's kind of weird though uh honestly if someone has a very very unique style to see someone just copying that and and to try to pawn that off as their own style. Uh, that's, you know, that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, Barb and I, we're talking about learning and, and hearing other voices and, and seeing what other uh, techniques there are available and, and then finding your own path out, you know, inside of that and exploring things so that you arrive 
somewhere different. Or maybe you decide, no, this is the way I want to remain in, in my work, you know. Yeah. I'm going to push it in other ways and not in my technique. Or it's it's definitely a really valuable way to learn. And again, when yeah. I was in art school, I mean, I had a class where we had to do um, essentially a replica of an artist's piece. And then we had to do a different piece in their style. And what's interesting about that is that it actually teaches you how to um, just how to execute that style or like there are things that you can learn in doing that. And like there's value in doing that. But it's to your point and my point as well is that it's always important to at some point move away from that and find a way to, you know, figure out what your own style is. And some of that, too, is like looking at what inspires you and you know, all of these points kind of connect to each other because, again, that goes back to practice. So if you're if you're spending a lot of time in your sketchbook and, you know, you might, you know, you might be inspired by someone else's work. And when you're sketching, you know, maybe you can't get it exactly. But in that process, you discover something new and that then becomes something you evolve into something that's your style. And, you know, style, too, again, is one of those things that it doesn't stay the same for some artists for their entire life. I mean, for some people, it's something that they they gradually work towards and then arrive at. And for some people, it's something that will continually change. I mean, illustration is a great example of that. A lot of illustrators will not have the same illustration style for their entire career. They'll they'll draw one way or to a trend to some to some extent for you know five or ten years, and or even you know sooner they'll switch it. I mean, one of my instructors in college as well. Um, she was doing very traditional illustration initially, and now she does um, felted animals. So it's like, you know, like it's it's a completely different oh, medium. Yeah, it's a yeah. completely different medium. But you know, when she was my instructor, she, you know, she was doing completely different artwork, and you know, her work is now evolved, and you know, it, that's evolved to a completely different medium. But it's still it's still an expression and, and, you know, don't be afraid to follow what's inspiring you and what's kind of motivating you at the time and, and, and follow through on it and see where it takes you. I mean, it may go nowhere or it may go somewhere that's really exciting. Yeah, no, definitely. There's some good points there. And, you know, the other thing about style or your particular uh, niche as an artist is that, Often you'll hear a newer artist, someone who's just starting to draw or paint, and they start getting concerned or worried about this particular thing. And this is something that you should not worry about. It's not anything to be overly concerned about because the best thing to happen is that it just develops and it grows and it happens over time. Do enough art and your style will emerge. Um, I really believe that. And if you're actually trying to be influenced by external forces, and by that I mean things that you're just drawn to naturally, you have some curiosity about in the world around you. So you're looking at things out in nature and things around you, wherever you are in your environment, and then you're incorporating those kinds of things uh, that you're experiencing through your senses. If you're doing that, Honestly, and uh, and with some curiosity, and you're not just following some other artist a whole cloth and recreating exactly what they're doing, then naturally you're going to develop and you're going to create your own style. Your signature then will become whatever it is that you 
uh, are creating. There's no need to even uh, sign it at the bottom, you know, I'm saying tongue in cheek, because your particular way of developing your uh, pieces, the way that you draw or paint will become your signature. Totally. I was just going to say that as well. And I think, you know, people need to remember that your art is like a fingerprint. Like it yes. will, it will a hundred percent, the more you do it, you know, even the way you apply color, your biases to certain things, just because you are an individual person, it, it will eventually start to come out. I mean, even on Instagram, when I'm flipping through, sometimes I can tell if what someone's piece, like who the piece belongs who it to, is, even before, yeah, you look before at the I even yeah. look. And don't you love that? And, yeah, yeah, no, totally. And and I and I don't know that it's it's even necessarily a conscious thing. And we're not even talking about like you know having something so distinct, like um, you know, in terms of like again, I'll use illustration as an example. Some illustrators have a very distinct style because it's derivative or whatever. But you know, even in realism, there are people where you know, you'll see it and you're like, oh, that's so-and-so's piece. And mm -hmm. it's really easy to identify in it. So, I mean, it's not like you need to be reaching for the moon in terms of something crazy for it. To, right, right, for, right. Yeah. For it to be, for something to reflect your style. I mean, you know, style for that matter could even to some extent be what you like to draw, um, you know, and, and, and that way, how you draw it. Like if you're really into, you know, I'll use Esther Roy as an example. Mm -hmm. I mean, she does these beautiful rock, um, right. Uh, paintings and you know that is she does them in a certain way and that is both her style and also the subject matter that she likes but I mean you can always tell right away it's her even when she does flowers just because of the way she applies color and yeah. you know that sort of thing so um I think you know those kind of things the more you just do it you to your point to, to what you said like it's it's going to emerge naturally anyway so don't feel like it's something you have to force to come out yeah, yeah. In fact, I think if if you do force it, it will, uh, I think, look contrived. Totally. Um, it it won't look genuine and, and, and honest, you know. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it, totally. I think sometimes when you see someone trying a little too hard, there's there's always something yeah. that feels off about it. And you're something like, lost. Uh, yeah, totally. That's true. Totally. Oh, this is a great discussion. I mean, we could go on and on. I, I think this is a good place to wrap up. Barb, do you have anything else? Nope. <laughs> I mean, I do, but you know. Well, yeah, we always do. <laughs> I mean, how all much right. more time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So this is a great discussion. And going into the new year here in 2019, uh, I hope this last set of, you know, these two podcasts paired together, I hope will serve you well as you start to develop and you kind of identify where you are on this continuum. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you, the listener. And if you like the show, consider giving us a rating and or a review and tell someone else about the show. This is a weekly podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.